welcome to Simplify's Musecast. This episode is all about field trips, how homeschoolers find them, why they do them, and what to do if things don't turn out like you'd planned. I am Suji Rajagopal, and joining me today are my fellow Simplify Muses, Jill Harper. Hi, everyone. And Farah Williams. Hi. My kiddo and I have done only a handful of actual field trips to museums and such. Honestly, I sometimes feel like I have the only kid in the world who isn't fascinated by science or art museums. But we did attend a lot of public lectures on math and sciences um, organized by our local universities. These events were great. They helped us to better understand real life applications of what we were learning in our homeschool. Science lectures we attended, for example, were a fantastic supplement to my kids' interest in extremophiles, microorganisms that live in extreme environments like freezing cold or boiling heat. We also attended lots of theatre productions, particularly improv comedy shows in San Francisco. Shakespeare plays around the Bay Area, you know, and depending on the production, we usually left for home clutching our sides from laughter. These trips were always great fun and always educational. They reminded us that learning was everywhere and not just within the four walls of home or a school. So, you know, for a long time, I thought, you know, you can't really call these things field trips, right? You know, we're having so much fun with plays and universities, not at museums. Um, So how would you define field trips for homeschoolers, Jill? And what were some of your favorites? So for homeschoolers, I think field trips can be a lot of things. Whereas in traditional school, you know, everyone knows what the field trip was. It was a few a year. Homeschoolers can make a field trip out of anything, whether it be a vacation to some far off place or just a little bird uh, sanctuary in your neighborhood. So field trips are everywhere for homeschoolers. Uh, Some of our favorites have been everything from our trip to the Grand Canyon, which the kids remember, to just the little local symphony on Saturdays where they saw little children's shows. So there's quite a bit in there. Yeah, I, I feel like homeschoolers should count everything as field trips. I count I count it all as a field trip. Every time we're, we go somewhere, every time we interact with someone interesting or see something new, that's a field trip. Yeah, yeah. Farah, I know you guys live in field trip heaven. Tell us more about some of your favorite local and not so local field trips. Yeah, so uh, I live in Washington, D.C., and I'm right in the heart and privileged to be able to hop on the metro and get to the museums really easily. And it's just really field trip heaven because there are so many free museums, especially here, all the Smithsonian's. And there's also all of the um, historical sites and so forth. Uh, we, uh, we love all of those places um, and have really utilized them a lot over the years. My kids, uh, because we were able to go to so many museums, uh, one of their favorite places is the Hirshhorn, which is a lesser known Smithsonian Museum. They have a lot of modern art and a lot of contemporary art. My kids really enjoyed seeing the, what they call the weird art. Uh, We also love the American Art Museum. They have a really good folk art section, and they always did scavenger hunts when my kids were younger. So we would run around uh, in the Loose Center, which is one of the areas up there, and find everything on the list, and they would win a little pin at the end. Um, But we also uh, take a lot of field trips further afield. We would go to Baltimore a lot and uh, go fossil hunting on the Chesapeake Bay, 
And I've been privileged enough to be able to take my kids uh, out of the country on field trips. Uh, We were able to go to Southern Africa and to the Yucatan and to do some really cool stuff like that. And so the field trips can be so many things. Just this week, my kids uh, were able to go see the parent of a fellow homeschooler talk about his work with robotics for the government and things like that are really wonderful opportunities to have. That sounds so fascinating, Farah. And Jill, I know you guys have done some really cool field trips too. Yes, we've also gone out of the country and I think that's just a wonderful opportunity to give your children if you can. We've been to Mexico, to the Playa del Carmen area for a long time, and then we've been to Europe. And we actually went there just last year when I had you know, the three teens all at home, which is a really good time to go to Europe with teenagers. And we were there from November through January and we got to see quite a bit. And it, it really had an effect on all of my kids and all, all of them want to move to Europe when they're older now. So <laughs> you can never underestimate how much these trips are gonna really influence your kids or teens. And Farah, have your field trips influenced your kiddos? And if so, how? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I really think going to the ballet was what inspired uh, one of my sons to want to be a ballet dancer. And he's a pretty serious young ballet, budding ballet dancer now. Uh, But also, especially, we've had uh, the chance to see a lot of theater um, at the Shakespeare Theater and at the Kennedy Center. And it has uh, really influenced my other son, just loves acting and loves musicals. But also they just are, uh, they have their own taste in art, which I think is really awesome because they got to go to museums for so long. Sometimes we go into a museum and they say, oh, this is that artist who did such and such. And I don't even know who it is, which I'm just sort of floored by that, that they're so versed in that. And, um, and they have a, a sort of sense of those things and of nature and you know, all these opportunities. It's just, it's, it's good. It's good for them. And how do you guys plan for these field trips? Does it take a lot of effort? Um, so it depends what your field trip is. <laughs> when we planned to go to Europe, that took an extreme amount of effort on my end uh, because of the cost. So we, we actually, um, it was something I wanted to do since the kids were quite little. When my twins were five, I decided when they were in high school and homeschooling, I was gonna take them to Europe. So um, it was a major goal, I never lost sight of it. And when they were about 15, we packed up all our belongings and moved in with my parents for two years, for well, about a year and a half to save the money. So sometimes these field trips can take a lot of planning. It was worth it though, it was, it was worth it. And sometimes, you know, we just hop in the car, we're in Southern California, and we're like, what do you want to do? And we just end up somewhere like the Huntington Gardens, you know, for the day, and it doesn't take any planning. So, you know, it can, it can vary greatly. Yeah, we also, uh, we like to take field trips on, on the fly sometimes and just sort of hop in the car and uh, go out somewhere. But then uh, also sometimes we also have taken some big trips and that does take some planning our our biggest one was to southern africa and it took a lot of planning financially and 
And also, uh, just in terms of time, we did a whole unit of study before we went, and so that's a good way to bring it into school. We read, uh, the, when the kids were younger, we read just piles and piles of picture books about Africa. And we did the same thing before we went to the Yucatan. We did a long unit study about the Mayans, reading lots of books and watching videos. And it really paid off when we got there. Uh, one of the first places we went and toured was Coba. Uh, and the kids walked into uh, you know some of the areas with the ruins and went, oh, this is this and this is this and just started talking about it uh explaining it to me and to my husband all the things that they knew about it just sort of off the top of their heads uh one of the other ways that when they were little that we prepared for field trips was we were sure to keep uh, a membership either to a zoo or to a science center so that we could use that if especially if we were on the road because those are reciprocal and uh, it's if you can afford it, it's worth it's worth it to do those, especially when your kids are younger, and um, to try to keep those things in mind. Yeah, I would I agree think, with that. Mm-hmm. That getting memberships, you know, and you can get one year do a membership at one museum, and the next year swap it out for a different one. It is right. so worth it. It is so worth it. And then you, there's a lot of things that are going on at the museums that are only for members and stuff. You find out about lectures and everything. So definitely, if you can afford it, get one. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we live uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, so we have some really good offers for museums in San Francisco. Um, But, you know, what happened was a few years after that, we moved to an area that was so isolated. It was almost semi-rural. So that was one reason why I think we took fewer field trips, because it would have meant driving about an hour or more just one way so it was hard for me to fit field trips into our schedule when we lived in you know those more isolated areas so what would you guys advise families who don't live close to popular field trip destinations so i you know obviously i am so lucky to live where there are plenty of field trips but one of the ways that we also take field trips is not just big trips but you know, if we take a road trip to go see family, then we stop somewhere on the way, even if it's just for a couple hours. And we've had some really neat field trips that way. We went to the Corning Glass Museum that way, for example, in uh, in New York, and it's a surprisingly awesome place to visit. Um, and when we have gone to visit uh, relatives in Georgia. We've gone to the Okefenokee Swamp and things like that. And so those are really cool opportunities that present themselves that aren't even necessarily expensive that you can do while visiting family and just to sort of think ahead about those things. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that completely. And actually, some of our favorite field trips have been driving cross-country because I have a lot of family in the Midwest and we drive out there And I remember one time when the kids were quite little, actually, I don't even think my youngest was born. And we were going through Colorado and there was a sign for um, a tractor pulling contest. And we got (laughs) off and went to it for about an hour and there was all these tractors. And then there was also a merry-go-round there and it was like the biggest, like a carousel and it was one of the biggest in the country or something. My kids were so, they were probably maybe four. They remember that to this day. I mean, and it was free. And they loved it. They loved it, which I, I had no idea they would. And it, we just did on the spur of the moment. But man, did that really have a positive effect on them. That sounds so amazing. And unfortunately, we do have to wrap up for the day. So would you guys care to share about, you know, your single most out of the box field trip that you think you would never forget? 
I'll say that. I wasn't expecting that. There's so many. I know there's so many. I know we've done so many good ones. Let's see. Okay, well, I made a list. I made. I asked my kids last night. I have three children. What their favorite field trips were over the years, and actually, they remembered quite a few. Um, We did Mark Twain's house in Missouri. They love that. Um, Our Europe vacation. The Long Beach Aquarium. We had a membership there for years. We went all the time. They love that. Uh, the Science Museum in Chicago. Bird watching. The CN Tower in, Tor- in Toronto. They went oh, to the very nice. top of that. They, that had a big effect on them. Uh, the Grand Canyon. The missions in California. You can take a big trip and hit all the missions. They love that. I highly recommend that if you're in California. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's house up in Northern California. Catalina Island. Catalina Island, we went there. Uh, you take a little boat out, it's about an hour. And we stayed the night and we went to a pizza restaurant. I'll never forget this. It's not even educational, but we went to a pizza <laughs> restaurant. Pizza and they is give always you, educational. <laughs> they give you peanuts in the shell before, you, before your meal. And when you're done with them, you just throw the peanuts on the floor. And the whole oh, yeah. floor is covered with peanut shells. <laughs> My daughter was so shocked by it. She was so shocked. She was disgusted by everything. <laughs> that she sat through that whole meal, staring at the floor, could not believe it. And she'll never, ever forget it in her life. I don't know how it's affected her, but wow, did that have a big, that was a big moment in her childhood. We talk about it quite often. Um, Hollywood Wait. Bowl, we went there all the time. And I think probably the biggest one for my kids is... Um, I mentioned it in the beginning was we went to the Saturday children's concert through the Pacific Symphony here in Orange County. Mm-hmm. We did those uh, every Saturday for two or three seasons. Um, and I, full disclosure, I was dating the conductor, so we got in free, which was wonderful, <laughs> you know, smart. and I don't recommend that you do that, but it was <laughs> wonderful. And my daughter is now studying music in college. And I do think you can make a link from those Saturday morning uh, symphonies to my daughter's choice of study right now. So field trips are great. Yeah, we, it's funny what the kids remember. I know that like a couple that come up for us a lot were um, we toured a potato chip factory and (laughs) it's like, oh, we've done all these things. We've been to other countries. They really liked the potato chip factory in the middle of nowhere. Like, <laughs> They love um, factories, right? Kids love factories. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And we haven't done that many factory tours. So this one, um, you know, there some. I think some parts of the country, that's a that's a big option. And around yeah, here, it's yeah. just not. Yeah, uh, and it was really small. And the owner came out with more potato chips. Um, <laughs> and you got to try all the varieties. It was kind of exciting. <laughs> And watch them get sliced and go up this thing. It was really cool. Um, And another one that they that they still remember, and it was years and years ago, was we went to a talk about how they train dogs for veterans at Walter Reed Hospital, and they had a couple of the dogs. One that was about to be given to a soldier who was recently returned from the Middle East, and he was there. Um, and was clearly so excited about the dog and another one that was sort of early in the training process and kept making mistakes. Um, and it was just really neat. Uh, they just talked about the training process for the dogs and, um, and so it's just these little things. It's funny what they, 
sort of focus on and, and talk about years later. So, yeah, my, yeah. I just want to add real quick, my son, um, my kids went to art galleries from a very young age because their grandmother is a painter. So they've been doing that for a long time. And one of the first artists that my son met, my oldest son, was named Jeff Soto. And that was only when he was four. And he has never forgotten that. He follows his work. And it's just had a lifelong effect on him. So any little thing you can do, get out and do it. You never know how it will change your kid. And, and yeah. little is better, especially when they're younger. I know it yeah. helps if you, that's why you should have that membership. And especially for an art gallery, ours are mostly free, but it just, if you can go in for half an hour and keep it short, especially when they're young and couple it with something good, then, you know, you get a little treat after, or you just, you know, have your lunch as a picnic or, you know, whatever. There's just something fun afterwards. You go to a playground uh, just as a sort of to help them feel good about that experience, then that's that's great. Don't try to cram it all into one day, especially when they're young. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. I remember, you know, I, I mentioned extremophiles earlier, and how we stumbled upon that was we just happened to take this diversion one day. We were driving around near the Sierra Nevada Mountains, and then. We just suddenly took a, a, a side trip and we stumbled upon this place called Mono Lake and we we'd not even planned it. So we just went and we saw this lake and it was this completely otherworldly experience. And we were talking to someone there who was talking about microorganisms who live in extreme cold and extreme uh, warm environments. And Mono Lake looks like it's from out of this world. It doesn't look like it's from planet Earth. So that totally sparked this interest in my kid in you know the life sciences and microbes so it was really cool we, we couldn't have planned that even if we tried so it was amazing so thank you so much for joining us today and please be sure to join us again next week when we discuss homeschooling middle school as always our heartfelt thanks go to Decca Harper for composing both our intro and outro soundtracks Decca has just released a new album be sure to search for Decca on Bandcamp and thank you also to Truffaut Harper for helping us with sound editing and making sure we can actually be heard clearly each week. You can find more Musecasts on our website, simplify4u.com slash musecasts. That's simplify, the number four, you.com slash musecasts. Goodbye, everyone, and have a great rest of the week.